as Doug said, my name is Tyler Wayne. I'm super excited to be here this morning with all of you. Uh, I usually teach during the summer and like I'm sweating and like super hot out. Not this morning. It was cold this morning. Oh my goodness. Um, so we're in this Ephesians ser- series that's about a new humanity. Um, Kurt, Alice, and Dave did such a great job of getting this series going with the first three chapters of Ephesians. Those first three chapters had Paul making every effort to explain how this cosmic plan is beyond words. And now we're in the last three chapters of Ephesians where Paul moves to laying the groundwork for how our knowledge of this plan should impact how we live our lives here on earth. And before we get too far into living our lives, um, I have to give you some insight into our life in the ruined house right now. So this next month is a pretty intense time in our house. April 17th is a big day on a lot of people's calendars, really big on our calendar. It's Easter this year, and it's our youngest son's birthday. He'll be turning five. And this year, he has taken upon himself to plan his own party. And I'm not sure exactly why he's taking control of his birthday plans. It might have something to do with his three-year-old party. Um, So this was back in 2020. You can kind of see where this is going. COVID stops the world then. Um, He was supposed to turn three at Disney World that year, Um, but COVID canceled not only his birthday party, he claimed it canceled his entire birthday. When we would Zoom with family or friends, he would tell people that his birthday was dead and it was killed by COVID. So this was his mood all year three. Not great. He just got his curls shaved in that one and like, it it was not good. He lost respect for us in playing a birthday party. We get that, all right, but we thought We really redeemed ourselves last year. He turned four. All the vouchers were good for a year. Here's a picture. We made it to Disney for four. Super happy, all right? We had the Mickey cake and everything. Um, I thought we redeemed ourselves, but he apparently does not trust us with his birthday plan this year. I think he's thinking like the odd number birthdays are just not our thing, which might be. I don't know. So back at the beginning of March, he started planning his birthday party, and here are some of the details that I have been made aware of so far. There will be two cakes, one blue ice cream cake from Hanson's, because his brother got one of those, and then a second cake that his grandma will make that has Benny the Jet on it, and it will be Funfetti that everybody else can eat. This party will take place at Ninja U, Chicago, Rudy's Tacos, and his bedroom. I don't know how exactly (laughs) all of those are going to be hit, but... I'm excited to see. The guest list includes anyone he has ever spoken a word to in his life, especially his preschool teachers. Um, We've got Steve Rogers, Captain America, if you don't know. Devontae Adams was on the guest list. He's a big Packer fan. I don't know if he's still on the list as he got traded to the Raiders. And then if anybody has contact with Chase from Paw Patrol, he is on the guest list as well. So it's going to be interesting. It's his party, and I'm just invited to it. If I want to RSVP... RSVP yes to his party and attend it, I have to be okay with him being in control of this party. He's making the plans and he's making everything happen, hopefully. Don't know how he's getting to Chicago and Rudy's Tacos, but we'll see. Um, And that is just something that I need to understand as I prepare myself to attend this party. Now, Kurt, Alice, and Dave, they taught about a similar party during our first three weeks of the Ephesians series. Jesus has invited every single one of us to a pretty great party. His party even tops Ashton's party. Sorry, buddy. God has some pretty great things planned for his party, but we have to remember it's his party. And we are just invited. We aren't making the plans. 
We aren't helping with the guest list. We are just invited to say yes and attend. We heard so much during the first three weeks of this series that God is the one in control of things. Kurt talked about the joy that God has in mind when he is creating these wondrous plans for us that are way beyond our imagination. Alice talked about how often we are trying to do too much when we just need to be ready to accept God with our open hands. And Dave talked about how God shows up at work in our pain and our joys. He has a plan for each of us, no matter the current situation we are in, and his plan is well beyond anything we could imagine. It is so important to remember where the series started here before we dive headfirst into Ephesians 4. It's all God. It's his party, and we're just invited. We need to be ready to say yes to attend his party and be waiting with open hands for him. Okay, so Paul writes these amazing plans and work that God has, writes about these amazing plans and work that God has ready for our lives, and we just need to say yes and attend this wonderful party. How do we act when we're at this amazing party? How do we respond to this amazing act of love that God shows us by inviting us to his party? Paul knew that these questions would pop up right after those first three chapters, and so he starts Ephesians 4 with some answers. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, read like this. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So right out of the gates, Paul calls for the people to stay together and keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He tells people who are part of this new humanity that we're talking about in this series to be completely humble gentle, patient, and bear with one another in love. Now, humble, gentle, and patient. These are three common qualities um, that people often talk about working towards or hoping to achieve one day. However, I very rarely hear people talking about getting better at bearing with one another. Not something I hear a lot. So either we are all really good at it already, or it's one of those parts of the Bible that we're starting to cross out now since Kurt is starting to cross off words of the Bible. I don't know. (laughs) I can get on board with being humble, gentle, and patient most of the time, but there are just some people that it's so tough to bear to be around. I'm sure Paul meant something else here. Let's just focus on those first three, right? Wrong. We can't just ignore that last characteristic. It's something that we have to work on. Even though I could very well, it could very well be some challenging work. And I think bearing with one another in love has become even tougher with the invention of the internet. Um, I used to be able to see someone's name on my caller ID on my landline phone and just not answer it. And that was really all the form of communication we had other than in person. Um, I didn't have to hear or see any of their crazy thoughts or ideas at that moment. And those were some pretty great days. But now with the internet, we see and hear some crazy things that we just don't want to see and hear all the time. Here's a tweet of something that I think is pretty crazy. Someone thinks Marry Me is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I tell you what, if you haven't seen this movie, it's amazing. Super realistic plot, okay? J-Lo, Owen Wilson. J-Lo's on her way and falling in love with Owen Wilson. For those of you who have seen it, you saw I referenced a great song that's on my Spotify list. 
It's not the worst movie ever made. I can't believe this person. But this next one really hurts my eyes. It says Chris Bryant looks great in purple. It's just too soon right now. For those of you who don't know, Chris Bryant is not a Cub anymore. He's a Colorado Rocky. And I don't know why we would put pictures of this on the internet. It just hurts really bad. But this last tweet is cut straight to my heart. Crispy bacon is bacon in its best form. Let's have a day, kids. It's not a chance. Like, there should be a little bit of the chewy part of the bacon. If we're talking super crispy bacon, let's just have turkey bacon then. That's not even real bacon, all right? <sighs> As you can see, the internet and its outrageous claims get me really worked up sometimes. And bearing with one another is just too difficult in today's world of technology. Paul didn't know what kind of world we would be living in when he wrote this. A world where we can be constantly hearing and seeing so many people's thoughts throughout the days. It's a tough task, there's no doubt about it, but it's a task that Jesus built us to be able to do. I believe that he built us to just go above and beyond just bearing with one another in love. I have seen it in action, I've experienced it big time during this school year. And it's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of, especially when you're the one that someone else is bearing uh, with, bearing with during the process. So on that side of things, I really got to feel the impact of Jesus building us all this way. So this school year was my first school year during my teaching career where I did not start in August with like 20-some, seven or eight-year-olds in my class, just waiting on every word I said. I had spent my first 11 years of teaching in the world of elementary, and I absolutely love that world. I always thought that the world of secondary education, junior high, high school, was just way too different than elementary. And it was just kind of an understanding in my head that secondary educators would never quite understand elementary educators, just like elementary educators would never quite understand secondary educator, educators. And bearing with one another in love just wasn't really an option in that situation. So we could just keep our distance, you know? And keep in mind now, I am married to someone who works in a junior high, so I don't want anybody saying I have anything against secondary educators, all right? We live together, um, she works in a junior high, we just live in different worlds during the day. Then last May, I found out about maybe some plans that God had for me. This brand new job that I had never even imagined was created in our district. It was a K through 12 instructional coach position, a job that lived in both of those worlds, even though they're completely two different worlds. Of course, I felt the nudge to take a chance and give this job a try, even though I knew absolutely nothing about junior high or high school education. And my first assignment this past June for this job was to start working with junior high and high school teachers to help them in any way I could um, start to build their courses for our virtual campus. I had never used the learner management system that they used to build these courses. In fact, I pronounced the name of it wrong in my first three meetings. Two of the teachers did not even correct me. <laughs> my wife did, of course. Um, I had never built a gradebook in their system, and I had a total of zero degrees in the content areas I was working with teachers in. And those teachers that I reached out to during the summer had every reason in the book to ignore me, enjoy their summer, let me tread water on my own as long as I could. And as I reflected on this past summer when I was preparing this teaching, it absolutely blew me away thinking about how welcoming those teachers were to me. 
they made me feel the true impact of what Paul wrote about when he was talking about bearing with one another in love. Those teachers went above that. They were patient with me as I learned about this standard space grading system. They were humble as they helped me understand the why behind their teaching strategies with their content. And they were gentle as I constantly mispronounced words and used the wrong acronyms in the wrong places. There are so many acronyms in education. I don't know what most of them mean. They stayed right there with me through my struggles and agreed to partner with me on this journey we were going on to help our students find success in our virtual campus. It was such a good picture of what Paul was writing about in verse 2. It's a model that Jesus gave us as he is constantly patient, gentle, humble, and bears with us through our countless daily sins. Working together and, and being welcoming of others is a pillar of our faith that we need to be reminded of daily. Back in 2020, COVID arrived and made it easy for us to say no to people at that moment. We need to ensure our health and safety, so we started to say no to welcoming others in our lives. And that made sense to everybody because we all kind of had that, those same reasons when it all started. And as things started to feel a little more like normal, I knew that that was kind of one of the things that I didn't want to go away. I liked being able to say no to things that I didn't want to do. I liked that feeling of being, being able to do, think that I could do things on my own. So like someone needs some help moving some giant heavy object that would most likely smash my fingers on the doorway when we were going through and destroy every muscle in my lower back. I'm thinking my couch is pretty comfy right now and maybe my throat's a little scratchy. I might have a little something coming on. Maybe I should just say no. I found myself saying no more than I ever have before. And that is not how God's kingdom is built. It's not built by saying no. Those teachers this summer, they didn't say no to me, and they very well could have. They bared with me through my learning and the struggles. They said yes in moments where I'm betting they have could, uh, could have done things just fine on their own. So take a moment to think about when you have been the person that someone had to bear with in love. How did that impact you? Have you missed any opportunities lately to be a little more patient or gentle with someone? How can we work to be ready for these moments? Jesus built us to work with others. He built us to grow and learn with others. You know how I know this? Because Paul wrote about it in Ephesians 4. After the first 10 verses, Paul dives into God's plan for us to work together to grow and mature to the whole measure and fullness of Christ. So Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16 read like this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip us, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, he will, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. 
as each part does its own work. So verse 11, right out of the bat, talks about how Christ himself gave all those people to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He built us all with, to have different skills, different weaknesses. He wanted us to fit together piece by piece, like a puzzle. A puzzle that, when finished, shows off the power of people united in Christ. I love that analogy that Paul uses with every supporting ligament that grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So ligaments, didn't know this, had to learn this content area, they are in different shapes and sizes, just like us. Ligaments often connect two bones and they help stabilize the joints. They ensure that the bones in the joint don't twist too far or move too far apart and become dislocated. That's what Jesus wants from us. Paul is painting this picture of God's people working together to connect one another and ensure that we don't grow too far apart on our own. I know I sure can get a lot done on my own. Just ask my wife. I put together my little checklist and then you get out of my way. I can check all of those boxes and anyone who tries to help is just going to slow me down or get in my way. And that doesn't match Paul's picture though. I am not connecting with people and helping to stabilize them and keep them close. I am not growing and pushing myself nearly as much as I did when I worked with those secondary teachers this past summer. We were built to work together because that is how we can grow. We can take chances and we know we won't be alone if we fail when we have people right there. Someone will be there to stabilize us when we feel like we are falling away from everything that matters. And we have to make sure that we are saying yes to working with others so that we can be there for those who are taking risks and may, <clears throat> may need someone to help stabilize them in the tough times. This is the picture that Paul is writing about here. God's people working together to use their skills to push each other and grow in our love for others and our love for Jesus. That is something that I know I need a daily reminder of because it's so easy and so tempting each day to say no and want to do those things on my own. So take a moment again. Think about those areas in your life where it's scary to ask for help. Think about those moments where people are asking you for help. Where do you see God at work in those two categories of moments? I promise as you think about that, he's at work even when we don't think he is. All right, so we're at God's party, and we're there with arms open, like Alice said. We're invited to work with others so that we can grow alongside our fellow believers in Christ and be there for each other in the joys and the sadness. If we're at the party and we are saying yes to working with others to be united in Christ, what is going to happen to us? What will that growth that Paul keeps talking about look like? Well, Paul, in Ephesians 4 writes this in verses 17 through 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned 
When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul starts off here reminding everyone that it's not about us. Keep saying that. We can't give in to the greed of being the best as an individual. Remember, we are this new humanity in Christ, called to work together with others to be welcoming and inclusive, just like God is with us sinners. He points out that this dark way of living with hardened hearts towards others is not what we had learned about how Jesus lived. Paul's, Paul pulls the parent card up. That's not what you were taught right here. Paul says that when we say yes and attend God's party with others, we put away our former self, our old self, and we put on this new self. That old self was defined by our deceitful desires to find individual success. That old self, that it was all me. I didn't need any help. Now, this new self that God can create when we choose him is free of those deceitful desires. We are a new humanity that is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul, <clears throat> Paul knows about this transformation better than anyone in the Bible. He persecuted the early church and considered it of the greatest danger. He arrested and imprisoned Christians and was even at the stoning of Stephen. He would tell the disciples that believing in Jesus was actually a sin. Now, some of you right now might be questioning why I've been reading Paul's words all morning and using it as a guide throughout this entire teaching after hearing about him. Well, Paul was marching down this road in pursuit of more Christians to imprison or threaten when God stopped him right in his tracks. Jesus himself appeared before him on the road and knocked Paul to his knees. This experience completely changed Paul's motives. In that moment, he went from a persecutor of Christians to a disciple of Jesus. Philippians 3.13 is one that has always stuck with me and best describes Paul in that moment. Because um, in that moment, Paul forgot what was behind him, and he just strained forward to what was ahead. He pressed on toward the goal to win the prize for which God had called him to. Jesus has the power to completely erase my old self. My old self who puts my needs first and, and closed myself off to others. My old self who felt like I could do everything on my own. Jesus has the power to create this new self in each and every one of us. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, Paul still had work to do from that moment where his motives changed. His motives and beliefs changed, but his transformation was not complete. Our transformation happens over days, months, a lifetime as we get up every morning and we say yes to working with others and following the example that Jesus' life here on earth has set for us. Now, this transformation over time always reminds me of one of the greatest transformations in the history of cinema. Some of you may know this child right here. This is Scotty Smalls from the movie Sandlot. There he is in all of his glory. Black eye, button-up shirt, the biggest brim hat I have ever seen, and that plastic glove that every one-year-old gets because they chew on things. All right? Um, this kid right here, he took a chance saying yes to being with others, 
even though he felt like he didn't belong. He felt like he wasn't good enough and his past just didn't have the accomplishments or accolades that deserved to play with this crew of ball players. Yeah, pretty intimidating crew right there. The leader of that crew of all-stars was the kid in the white shirt and blue hat holding a bat. His name was Benny. And he said yes to including a kid and inviting him to their baseball crew. Benny knew that this kid knew nothing about baseball and didn't have uh, too many skills when it came to the game of baseball. Benny knew there was potential there, though, and the transformation began. Smalls actually goes on to catch a fly ball. His eyes were closed, but it still counts. His time working with the other kids helped him develop his baseball skills, his social skills, even his trash-talking skills, and each day, he grew with his skills and transformed a little bit more. It took time, though. He got a little better each day. And then towards the end of the movie, right before they, he gets them in the biggest pickle of their lives, we get this moment right here. Talk about transformation right there. He and a bomb over the fence with his shirt unbuttoned, jeans unrolled at the bottom, about to give that bat a nice toss. But his transformation didn't happen in a single moment. It happened over days and months of him saying yes each and every day to working with others and gain a little better each day. When I think about Jesus inviting me to be a part of this amazing, unbelievable party that he has planned, I always seem to picture myself coming to the party like Smalls that we saw at the beginning of the movie. My face is bruised, my hat is obnoxiously bad, and I look like I have no clue what I am doing. Why in the world would God want someone like me to attend his party? It's because he created me and he loves me so much that he gave his one and only son to die for my countless mistakes. He also knows that my new self can, <clears throat> what my new self can look like when I wake up every day and I say yes to following him. He knows my potential when I'm looking for opportunities to push myself and grow. He knows the people that he is going to put in my life to help me grow. I can say yes to working with those people in the building of his kingdom. We can work together to help spread the love that Jesus shows us all each day with his countless blessings. So Paul spent chapter 4 of Ephesians making sure that people know that if we RSVP yes to living for Jesus each day, God will have some plans for us that are way better than anything we can imagine. He wants people to know that there is some real power in working with others to grow together and build God's kingdom. Teamwork really does make the dream work, I promise. Finally, if you don't feel like you're good enough to RSVP yes to God's party, maybe you think you have too many sins in your past, or you just don't know enough about Jesus, or you think it's a sign of weakness to ask for help from someone else, it doesn't matter what you think. Jesus takes us where we are at, and he has the power to transform us. It just takes one yes. Back at the age of 16, I said yes to going to Big House because I heard a cute girl was there and I had a crush on her. Jesus took that one yes with terrible motives and turned it into me getting to know a group of guys that would be lifetime friends. He turned into a relationship with a small group leader who still pushes and encourages me to this day. And Jesus took that one yes and turned it into an opportunity for me every day to be a dude in kids' lives who loves Jesus and wants them to know that they are invite, invited to his party too. It just takes one yes for Jesus to go to work and help you find a lifetime of saying yes each day to living your life for him. So where is your next yes for him? Please join me in prayer. Dear Jesus, 
thank you so much for the power that you have to transform us because we all have those moments where we feel like the kid with the bruised eye, the big hat, and we just don't belong. Um, but you take, you take us as we are, and you have the power to transform us into this new self that can work with others, that can bear with one another in love, and can help build your kingdom. And we thank you so much for that power. In your name, amen.